the, the topic for this morning uh, that I was given was um, acquiring assertiveness. And I kind of thought, hmm, who better to speak on assertiveness than someone who didn't feel they could say no when they were asked? <laughs> so <laughs> that's a joke for the day. Um, but uh, actually, and, and just before I dive in, uh, I actually wanted to, I'm wearing something today that probably acts as a good introduction to the message as well. So just bear with me. So this is a T-shirt by a company called Very British Problems, and um, it sums up a lot of uh, things that are true about uh, British culture, and some of those things are also, I find, quite true about Kiwi culture as well. Uh, so this one, if you, have, if you can't see it on the uh, thing, it says, um, that's not quite what I had in mind, and uh, the more, I would say, direct, maybe even Australian translation could be, what the bloody hell is that? So, um, <laughs> so, so that, that's a good sort of a master of understatement, and um, there is more uh, to that. But what I wanted to, um, you know, uh, assertiveness is one way of putting it, but another way of putting it is finding your voice. And so what we're going to talk a bit about this morning is finding your voice, which is... Um, so just uh, to continue that theme, this is a bit more of British, very British problems. Um, so British translation guide, meanings, meanings of we'll see, no. Or well, maybe, well, no. Uh, we could do, no. Uh, I'll think about it, no. Uh, well, let's talk about it later, no. Uh, I'll see how I feel, no. You get the idea. I'd love to, but well, no. So, so we have lots of ways, fairly coded ways of trying to say no without being very direct about it. And um, uh, there's a few other things there. If you, I, I, I've got quite a few of these t-shirts. There's a couple more that's a bit harsh, which is, uh, which is uh, I've never been so insulted in my life. Uh, and <laughs> and um, what could go wrong, which is I'm expecting nothing but a disaster. So um, uh, we, we are kind of quite coded and quite indirect. And some of that is a cultural way. You know, we hint, we tut. We don't come out with anything too confronting. And, you know, let's be honest, most of us have probably had times where we've passed up on sharing our needs or our true feelings. So, you know, a good one for me the other day, think about, it, you know, we're kind of eating away and thinking, hmm, not sure we're going to come here again. And the waitress comes over and says, how's your meal? We go, oh, lovely. Yes, lovely. You know, because because that's just conditioned response that we are used to suppressing what's uh, what we're feeling and saying what's socially acceptable. Um but so what? Um, well, it, it can extend to not finding our voice when we don't want to go along with something. And, and that's, the, that's uh, more of a challenge. So, um, you know, and it could be that we find it quite difficult to refuse people. And that can, in our relationship, sometimes lead to, you know, actually a sense of resentment uh, that, you know, life... Or, uh, you know, and a, a kind of life that has a bit of an overkill of living out of a sense of obligation... Because actually, every time people ask us, even if it goes beyond our boundaries, we kind of just feel like we can't say no, or we choose not to. We choose not to rock the boat. We just go with the flow, um, and uh, it's quite supercharged in today's social media world as well. This thing about you know uh, whether you can find your voice, and and it, it, on the one hand, you've got the kind of movement about well, telling my truth. You know, it's kind of you know just let it all out there. Um, but on the other hand, almost like self censorship that. You know, we can internalise what can be social sanction, particularly on social media, for people to express a particular view. And actually, we almost like, rather than sort of say it and face a bit of, you know, a pile on, then you just like edit, edit it yourself. And you're not even, you know, you don't even think or in, even to say what you believe. Um, 
And that can feel quite dangerous as well. Um, interestingly, the New Zealand Bill of Rights, Article 14, Freedom of Expression, says everyone has the right to freedom of expression, including the expression to, free to uh, the freedom to seek, receive, and impart information and, inform and opinions in any kind or in any form. So on the one hand, there's this notion of freedom of expression, which is in theory is kind of like a, 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 a seen to be a good thing, almost a right. But on the other hand, we are struggling with freedom of expression ourselves. We may be struggling with social pressure or may be struggling for other reasons, but actually a lot of the time we feel we can't say what we uh, need or what we feel or what we perceive. Um, we feel a bit stuck. Now, interestingly, pick up a concordance. Uh, for those of you in the pre-internet age, you know what I'm talking about. Post-internet age, kind of like a search thing where you can search the Bible. So it, pre, pre the internet, there was this massive book. I got a book called The Exhaustive Concordance. Nikki calls it The Exhausting Concordance because it's about this thick. It's really heavy to carry. And it's got every single, every single instance of, of, of a wide range of words in the Bible. So if you look up the word assertiveness, um, you will come back with a big fat zero of references in the Bible. So, um, so I thought, oh, okay, well, that got me to thinking, you know, is this actually a biblical quality? You know, how assertive is a servant, for example? Maybe not. Um, you know, is it, is it, is assertiveness really about my rights? And didn't Jesus lay down all of his rights as we were reading Philippians 2? So should we be even assertive? Good question. You know, so I thought that was interesting. Um, and he did lay down his rights, didn't he, Jesus? But do you see in Jesus someone who was pushed around, actually, who went along with things when he wasn't happy to do so? Or was he, was he his own man? Did he set his own agenda? Did he make choices? Um, and uh, so I've been thinking about a lot of examples of assertive uh, behavior, you know, by Jesus, by Paul, and by others. Examples for us. So, for instance, you know, when uh, I think the authority, the, the Pharisees said, yeah, tell us by whose authority you're going to do this. He said, well, rather than, oh, yeah, okay, I'll tell you. It's like, well, no, no, you tell me, or, you know, about John's baptism. And they said, well, we don't know. He said, well, I'm not going to tell you either. So he sort of wouldn't be boxed in to that. So you've got a sense of this is not somebody who is just going to um, not assert a different perspective if someone's trying to uh, take him down down a particular way or what about um you know the blind beggar on the road uh, by jericho you know jesus son of david have mercy on me and they've got shut up shut up shut up and he just keeps shouting loud because like, he's got a need and he's like i'm not gonna i'm not being quiet about it that's a great example of just not being silenced and find he found his voice and through that he found healing and he found a way to follow Jesus along the way. You know, it's an amazing, amazing story and is a great example for us. Um, you know, uh, I guess um, we can look also, for instance, at, you know, at Paul, you know, when Paul finds Peter and he's not living in line with the gospel, he's eating only on his own, only with the Jews and not with the Jews and the Gentiles together. Well, he confronts him, he calls him out on it. So he's quite happy to... Um, deal with something that's a bit of a conflict situation that for those of us who struggle with assertiveness will probably go, oh, you know, maybe just quietly have a little word rather than back. But no, he's quite happy to happy to uh, confront. So there are some of these examples, I think. Um, so look, um, what we're going to have a quick look at is um, three things. So what, is, what really is assertiveness and is it God's way for us? Um, why do we find it difficult and what should we do about it? Um, I say we, many of us find it difficult. Not everybody, I appreciate that. Um, so, so first off, what is it? Well, um, great definition, I think it's from Counting Site, just says assertiveness means expressing your point of view in a way that is clear and direct 
whilst still respecting others. I quite like that. Expressing your point of view in a way that's clear and direct while still respecting others. And what's good about that is that I think, um, firstly, assertiveness is not a choice to, it's a choice not to avoid an issue, okay? Not to conceal and concede. So we're choosing not to avoid the thing. We're going to do something. But it's also a choice not to be aggressive. And that's really important because often we can conflate those things together. And we think, oh, think of people who are, oh, you know, they, they get their way a lot. They seem to be, you know, quite forceful. Oh, is forcefulness assertiveness? I don't think it is, actually. I think assertiveness is calm and it's constructive. And that's a really big difference, but it's often not what we've had patterned. We've had patterned those other two extremes of just, you know, bottle it up, don't do anything. Then when you finally do, say, oh, fucking hell, no, I really can't do that. You know, because you're like, because you're sort of, um, you've been storing up all of that. I can't say no, I can't say no, I can't say no. Right, I'm done with saying no. And you come out with this rig, whoa, aggression. You know, is it just me? I don't know. Anyway, uh, that's some, something that I um, have some experience of, um, kind of blurting it out. But um, <laughs> so... So, so there is this middle way, which is actually calm and constructive, but it's not necessarily going to just disappear. So it is asserting, it's, it's, it's holding ground to saying, actually, no, that doesn't work for me. We need to talk about that. Um, so there's a couple of scriptures I thought you might want to consider as we've kind of talked about, uh, talked about uh, this to think, you know, how does, this, how does this connect with what the Bible teaches us about how we're to live? The first one's Ephesians 4 verse 15. Um, Paul's talking about the church, a very famous passage where he's talking about, you know, God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, teachers to equip the body so that we, everybody, all of us would do those works of service. We do the things that are the church. That's our job. Everybody gets to play. You know that from how we how we operate here. Um, and, and, and what's the result of all that? It says, well, you know, if we if we reach the kind of unity in the faith it says we're not going to be tossed backwards and forwards by teaching and scheming. And here, picking up verse 15, it says this instead. Speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head who is Christ. Because from him the whole body joined together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we are to be a church that's full of, full of moving parts where we're all doing the job. It's not specialists doing the job. We're all, all doing it. But that joining, that building, that growing together, the growth and the maturity comes and a key part of that is speaking the truth in love. So, okay, well, that's good because um, that, that actually does a quite a strong connection to assertiveness because uh, it's been said love without truth is not really love. It's superficial and it's flattery, you know, actually, sentimentality. But truth without love is a pretty poor imitation of truth. It's harsh. It's not actually sharing something in a way that is going to be of benefit to anybody it's just you know and and god does, you know, says the bible also says love is not rude right it's it's not you know it, it, it doesn't oh the, there's something great about honesty but there's no nothing great about just hurting people's feelings so we're trying to uh, tread that line and i guess um you know being able to assert my needs and my perspective is one of those ways we're going to speak the truth in love and and if this passage is right there's actually no real route to growth and maturity for the body of christ without it so oh, okay so maybe it is something we need to grapple with um the other passage is uh, philippians 2 uh, verse 4 um 
again, famous passage, the one that I said talked about Jesus laying down his rights a little bit later in that passage, but it starts off, um, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, I, I, I managed to dig out the Greek kind of, the interlinear Greek translation there because I wanted to really check it because some translations have airbrushed out some words in that. They've said, each of you should not look to your own interests, you should look to the interests of others. That's not what it says. It says you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So you've got to look both to yours and to other people's interests. And here's an interesting thing. How are other people going to be able to look to your interests if you don't share what they are? How can they do that? So maybe we need to be assertive and say, actually, here's what my interests are in this situation. You know, I might choose to prefer your interests. You might choose to prove of mine. But we need to know. We need to know. We need to know. So, so I think um, this notion of uh, an ability to to express honestly your point of view in a way that's clear and direct and respectful is a thing that is part of what God's called us to do and how we relate to each other. So. So why do we find it so hard? Because we do, don't we? Well, maybe it's me, but, you know, I think um, a lot of the laughter around the room suggests that it's not an unusual experience, even when we recognise in ourselves. Well, fortunately, there are many examples in the Bible where people found this difficult as well. So that's good. You know, not only do we have great examples to follow, we also have examples of people who struggled. And that's what's really fantastic about the Bible, actually. It's not just a, a kind of book of, 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 of brilliant people who are living this amazing standard. It's ordinary people like you and me who God chooses to use. So, for example, you know, Paul said to Timothy, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of love, of power, of self-control. Why would he have said that? Well, maybe t- Timothy struggled with being a bit timid, actually even though he was part of Paul's apostolic team going around and installing leaders in churches all over the place and all this kind of stuff, he struggled. Um, but I think one of the best uh, examples is Moses. So um, if you have a Bible, you want to uh, look at look at that. There's a great um, great passage in there. when this is uh, So God, God meets with uh, Moses. Uh, it's kind of the period of the burning bush. And um, in fact, let me just bring it up here so I've got it. One of the things in context uh, for this is that um, so so Moses has kind of you know lived his own life. He's seen his people being mistreated. He's you know he's struck out violently at um, you know at, at uh, one of those, and he's ended up uh, disappearing off and getting married and tending the flocks of his father-in-law a long way away and he's off by the Mount Mount Horeb and um, God appears to him in the burning bush and he goes over there and um, uh, to see it and 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 basically God says you know um, I've seen the suffering of my people and you know I want you to go so I'm basically I've come down to rescue them and I want you to go I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out so if you pick up at verse 11 the first thing he says is but but Moses said to God who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt and that's probably the first thing that, that actually can can be something that messes with our ability to be assertive. Like, who on earth am I? Who, you know, my, my identity, my status, I might think poorly of myself. Um, Bible never tells us to speak poorly of ourselves. It tells us to consider others better. It doesn't ever tell us to consider ourselves worse. So, so actually we need to elevate other people but not look down on us because God loves us too. But that's the first thing. Who am I that I should go? Um, 
you know, and God says, well, look, I'm going to be with you. You know, this is, and here's a sign. You know, you, when this all happens, you'll know it's happened because you're going to bring them out. They're going to worship on the mountain. And he says, oh, well, what if I go to the Israelites and they kind of say, you know, God, God, your forefather sent me. And they say, well, who is he? What's his name? And that speaks to um, the second bit. Is I feel a bit inadequate because I don't have the knowledge. I don't know. I know who this God is. I don't know much about him. Just meeting him. Um, so who would I say would have sent me? And again, God answers that. Well, actually, it's all right. You, you can say that I have I have sent you. And, you know, that's uh, so he helps with that. So uh, and, then, and then Moses next thing goes on. He says, yeah, but 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 what if they don't believe me or listen to me or they say that I'm just making it all up? Um, and and so God does the thing, I think, at that point with the um, throwing down the staff and it turns into a snake. He has to pick up the end of the snake. Very dangerous thing to do. And then it turns back into a staff. Um, but what does that speak to? Well, to me, that speaks to what if they won't believe? And that speaks to social validation and this social anxiety that you might have that, you know, how will people react? What if they won't believe me? What if they don't, you know, um, I'll assert this stuff, but actually what if they just reject that? And then he goes on and there's another bit later, you know, he keeps going and says, well, you know, I'm, I'm uh, he basically says, I'm a really poor speaker. You know, I'm really poor speaker, you know, so oh, I just don't have the skills. Um, and God says, well, you know, I, you know, I made you, I made give you his mouth. And then he then he says, oh, Lord, please just send someone else. So even with all, all of that, God's going to deal with all of those other things. And still what he comes down to is, this is just really scary and I just want to avoid it, you know. And, 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 and I guess we can all relate to that. So, so, you know, whether we feel like, you know, we feel a bit inferior, we don't feel we have the knowledge, we're worried about what people might say, we don't really feel very good at it. We feel a bit clunky, you know. We, we, some people seem very socially confident, don't they? They're kind of very easy and eloquent and I just feel a bit clunky in the interpersonal stuff. So so all of those things are happening and then God helps him to deal with every single one of those. He still says, no, 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 no just please send someone else. And so God says, no, 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 I am going to send you. I'll send Aaron and he can, he can help you and he can speak for you. But basically, this is the gig and I want you to do it. So I think that's a, a, a really good insight into lots of ways that we might find ourselves being very reluctant to be assertive. Maybe we think things about ourselves, we think poorly of ourselves, we just think we haven't got the capability, the skills or the knowledge, and we think people are going to react badly, all those things. Um, and I think um, at the heart of that is um, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, fear of man will prove a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. And actually this notion of being held captive by other people's reactions to us is really something that if you read even even in the kind of secular literature they'll pick out about assertiveness of being social anxiety being a real kind of driver of that and and i think that's right but you know uh, and, and in there holds a bit of a key to the next bit which is what should we do about it so um here are just some thoughts from a fellow traveller who is on that very journey with exactly that issue and need in his life, rather than some fantastically assertive person who can speak to you from a position of mastery and strength. Um, let me uh, let me just share this. So, so I think that um, progressively finding our voice, um, trusting in the Lord to overcome the fear of man, um, you know, opening up to the spirit of love and power and sound mind to overcome timidity. Um, where do we start with that? Well, um, the first thing just worth thinking about is is maybe the starting point is just to think about this in terms of um, 
who am I finding my voice with? So the first thing, actually, interestingly, you might think God's at the center. That's usually a slide, isn't it? You know, but oh no, we've got ourselves at the center. But but these two things are related. Finding your voice within yourself and finding your voice with God are both related. Within yourself, it's like paying attention to your own reactions because actually it can be we're so self-censoring. We don't even know what we feel about things. And then when we're, you know, and so I don't know if you had to, someone asked you, well, do, do, you want, do you want to do that? So, I don't really know if I do, actually. I'd never, but I haven't really thought about it because I just sort of kept, kept it back. So, so can I put a name to what I'm feeling? Can I be honest with myself? Can I notice my own reactions. It's, it's a bit of self-awareness. It's a really good start. I keep a bit of a journal that helps a bit. I don't know how other people f- you know, find that, but there's something about, you know, in fact, the other day we had the, there was this um, marriage seminar thing that we had here. And the first thing, it was like, you know, think about three things that you're feeling right now. And we were both sitting there, oh, I don't know, what do I feel? Because, you know, you just get on and do life and, 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 and you just become very unaware of your own feelings and emotions. And, and sometimes when you're in stress, it, it really comes out. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, something's going on with me. So I think finding your own voice, being able to be honest with yourself is a really good start. Um, but absolutely related to that and can be done in the same way is finding our voice with God. Because being with him is a safe space. We don't have to be all religious in our best behavior because he knows the very worst of us and still decided to die on the cross for us. You know, so, so actually Jesus probably thinks, you know, thinks we're, he, he, can, he can deal with us without our pretense. So that's not always easy. I think um, there's a really great example you know, that we have in the Bible, which is the, the Psalms. Do you know they're full of a full emotional range, everything from elation to despair to anger to bitterness to doubt, all that stuff, and it's all just kind of laid out before God. Not in the way that the world does with venting emotion, but not in the way of a religious thing of suppressing emotion, more in a way of God helping to work with how we feel. And, and there's something about processing what we're feeling about what's going on with God and being able to say to God, so if I can bring my needs to him, if I can bring my feelings to him, that's a really good safe boundary and practice, you know, that's good. And then it opens us up to some of these other outer layers. And the first, the next one, finding a voice with friends and family, fellow believers, you know, that can be a bit tricky because, um, you know, with family, we've got some learned behaviors and we also know how to push each other's, but, uh, other's buttons as well, which is tricky. Um, you know, so so achieving a change in our interactions with people that we've had a long history with can be can be tricky. But but at least this is a layer of people who are fundamentally quite committed to a relationship with us, right? So so we have some mutuality about that, and therefore it's it's kind of um, it's 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 a good good next step. Um, and then if we think about finding our voice more broadly, well, what about with colleagues or people who don't necessarily rate us that highly or a bit, a bit opposed to our views? Um, and, and finding, you know, within those kind of relationships where, you know, they might always not be quite so committed to us, but we need to find our voice in that sphere as well. And then from that, that moves on to the public sphere, you know, how we influence in society, but but we can't kind of jump to being brilliant at the outer layers if we don't work through some of those bits in the center. So, so that's, I guess, the first thing is, is just to, what should we do about it? Well, I think we should be progressive with it and actually seek to open up more to God, more to ourselves, more to God, and then progressively be able to share more with other people. So it's a journey. Um, the second thing is um, 
what we're finding our voice for can be quite helpful to us. Okay, so um, now th the first thing we might think about is finding our voice for our own needs and feelings, and that's really been the focus. And when you hear the when you hear the video, that's a lot of what's about that's assertiveness. But but actually. Um, some of our other roles and some of the other things that we do um, might mean we find our voice for, for different things. You know, finding our, your voice for those you care about. So uh, those of you who are parents, when you've got like a little toddler, you probably know. You, I, I remember like when my son was really little and, um, you know, he might be on the playground, whatever, and he'd be playing with something that was his and some other kid would come up, like push him out of the way and grab it and move off. To, and instantly you're going up so, oh, do you think there should be some intervention here? You know, and, and, and I didn't have a, really a problem springing into action and finding my voice if I felt that my son was, you know, being pushed around. You know, I, I was like, oh, I felt so protective of him. So, so there's something about not only finding our voice for our own needs, but, you know, we can find our voice. And, and all these things are connected because if you can't assert your own needs and feelings, you know, then um, you can maybe transfer some of the learning you've got in some of the situations where you do find you can assert because actually, actually, no, I am going to intervene there. I'm going to, you know, and I'm motivated. There's something in something instinctive in me that says, I, I don't want my 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 wonderful little boy to be pushed around by whoever this other person is, who you know, this other little person. So, um, and and that's really important, you know, because being passive in the face of harm to those you love, you love, is not love. So we do have to find our voice. Um, Finding a voice for righteousness, you know, we live in a, a, a broken world. We live in a world where um, norms change. They're not anchored to the scripture. And there are times when we need to find our voice to stand up for what's right. Um, you know, there's a, there's a very well, um, uh, the, a song actually by the Manic Street Preachers we were talking about uh, uh, last night uh, with, uh, with, with some, some folk was, you know, if you tolerate this, your children will be next is the line of the song. And there's a sort of sense of, you know what we what we allow and what we tolerate you know, can can mean you know normalizing things that just aren't right and therefore there are times when we have to find our voice and stand up for what's right and sometimes that can be costly um, but but we need to do that as well and um, the other um, aspect of, of 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 this is 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 the voiceless and Proverbs thirty one eight to nine says speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute. So that's what we're called to. There are plenty of people in this world who are voiceless because they don't have power, they don't have the opportunity, they don't have a platform or way in. So we've got to find our voice in the, in the simple things about me and my feelings and money because we're called to find a voice for the things that really matter for people who cannot um, articulate for themselves and we have to advocate for them. That's what... Um, that's what the Bible tells us. It's really clear. So that's who we are. That's what we're called to be. So we've got to deal with this. So it's not an optional extra for some people, you know, can be assertive and it's not. We're going to need to learn how to do this because this is, this is actually Church 101 is actually being a voice for the voiceless. Um, I um, work with uh, a lady uh, sometimes from time to time called Nada Glad Glavish who uh, works at Auckland um, uh, district health uh, district district health board as it was um and one of the things um if you know nader's story it's been featured in the the papers but basically nader was a telephone operator switchboard operator in the 80s and uh, she would you know when people vote she, she would say cura would be her opening opening line and back then it was really quite a you know it was a not done thing because you weren't to do that and um 
And actually, she got into a lot of trouble. And you know, her supervisor was telling her, you can't do that, can't do that. And um, she said um, uh, she just had a, just something came to her, which is nui akitene take iakwe, which is this is far greater than just you. And so, because she, she was just going to like stop, she thought, oh, wait, I don't want to get into trouble. But she just had that sense of, no, I need to persevere. So so she did. And the interesting thing was the, the switchboard was then inundated with people who were phoning up saying, hey, I, I want to talk to the Kiora lady. Um, and, it, and it turned out to be a really significant moment for the reestablishment of Tere Maori in this country, um, just from what was quite an ordinary thing. But it was she was finding her voice, her own authentic voice, and not willing to suppress it, even though it wasn't very socially acceptable and it got into a bit of hot water at work. Um, another example which um, uh, really uh, speaks to me is this is something that happened, I think it was last year, um, uh, back in my home country in the UK. Um, the government was pretty determined that um, it was it was making various cuts and what have you, and it just decided it wasn't going to be doing... Um, for the people who get free, who, who are in a needy situation, they might get free meals during school time. And then the problem is in the holidays those families can't afford to feed their kids, so what happens? And they were like, we're not doing anything. Yeah, we can't afford to do anything that way. Can't afford. Anyway, there was a guy, a, a young lad, Marcus Rashford, early 20s. He was a kid from a council estate in Manchester, but he was pretty good at playing football. He was playing football for Manchester United. And um, when the government made it, all of its decisions and its pronouncements, he stepped up and he uh, used his fame to say, actually, something has to be done about this. And... Uh, it was one of those things where got a very he's very public celebrity loved part of the England team great setup, but he said I'm interviewing. You know, he's like I'm going to say something about this, and he did. And he kind of and, and he said, look, this is what you can do. This is what it will cost. And the government was like, no. And then and then it led to like all these different companies were saying, oh well, we're going to step in and help. And he then published all the lists of here, all the people who are going to help this this holiday and and do stuff because the government's actually pulling out of out of what it needs to. Anyway, the pressure was so great that in the end, this government that had pretty much you know been quite happy to to plow its own furrow eventually sort of conceded just realized it was such a public outcry um and the the, the thing that he said um he said um, he said this these children matter these children are the future of this country they're not just another statistic and for as long as they don't have a voice they'll have mine I thought that was such an amazing for just for a young man. As as long as they don't have a voice, they'll have mine. And that was you know, God really was, was at work and you could really hear his heart in that. A young man in his early twenties, he could have been living a life of riches and success, but he found his voice by being a voice of the voiceless. So what an example he is to us. And that's why it matters. So so in conclusion then, um, there is a, a Maori Fakatoki, a saying, um, and it's Hitangatahi Kitahi, which is a person of a single word. And that carries a sense of someone who both has authority, but also an integrity and clarity about it. So let's let our yes be yes, and let's let our no be no. So why don't we draw near to him and help he will help us to be more like Jesus in this regard so that we can find our voice um, with each other and with the wider world.